Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that covers all culturally relevant aspects of the beautiful game, just none of the stuff really happening on the pitch. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, all of just these awesome things that make the sport so amazing. My name is Louie, and I'm joined here by Brennan and Alan. And this week, we got to talking about commentators and their impact on how we as fans perceive the game, we as fan, how we as fans remember the game, and just what it means to the sport overall. If you have any thoughts on this topic, please either shoot us an email, send us a DM on Instagram at culturef.c, or comment in the video version on YouTube or Facebook. You can also follow us at culturefc on Instagram. We post some behind the scenes pictures, photos, videos, stuff that you don't normally get to see or hear in the weekly show. You can also find us on Instagram at Troublewear. This is our clothing brand. The three of us started it. It's a soccer-inspired fashion line that we kind of poured our hearts and souls into. So if you could check it out, we'd really appreciate it. Last bit I'm going to ask you guys is if you could leave us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app, whether that's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those, it really helps us out. It helps us get uh, more listeners, more viewers. It gets us more exposure, and we really appreciate it. I think that's enough of my rambling. Let's get into this week's show. With our uh, news topics, and uh, so this one's kind of interesting. Um, before the World Cup started, a popular retail appliance chain in Belgium uh, called Kreffel uh, said that, that how do you spell that Kreffel K-R-E with the two dots over it Ooh, I like that. F-E-L and basically they said that if the Belgian team scored more than uh, 15 goals or in other words if they scored 16 goals or more that every single person who bought a television during this period would have their money refunded so in other words free TVs for anybody in Belgium who bought a brand new TV to watch the World Cup They'd all get their money back. Should have yeah, done that. I love it. That's so like, that reminds me of um, is Bernie. Jordan's Furniture yeah. a national retailer? Like no, I think know? it's just I think it's just a New England so retailer. Jordan's Furniture is a foreign furniture store here in the New England region, and they always do this for the Red Sox. Like if the Red Sox win the World Series, basically um, anyone who buys furniture gets for free. <laughs> and then one year it actually worked. Yeah. However, I think the next year they did a similar contest, but it was like. And if like they win the like the World Series, you get like no tax. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like, we screwed ourselves <laughs> last time. So uh, after the after Belgium beat Brazil, uh, there's only two more goals to go before Belgium scores uh, 16, and everybody gets free TVs. Yeah, let's be real; like they're gonna score two goals. They still have if they they still have another game at the least, yeah. and if they True, can score uh, one I or two. France, that's a big game, so maybe. Uh, yeah, well, maybe they tie zero zero, and who knows? Watch yeah. the company come out like and be like, oh, like <laughs> they scored two goals, but they lost in that <laughs> so game. But sorry, we don't. They had to win the World Cup and <laughs> we, score sixteen. We don't goals. like losers, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so we're not doing that. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. But. but like, that's pretty cool because even like Dries Merton said at a press conference, he goes, "I have many friends who bought their TV there, and I'm doing everything <laughs> to get them it for free." That's so good. like, yeah. that's hilarious it, because that's a okay, Dries yeah. Mertens is a millionaire. Yeah. He could buy his buddies a bunch of TVs. Yeah. But it's just like it just shows that like the country's kind of behind them in a way, and it's like kind of cool. Yeah, get everyone behind it. No, that's awesome. That's so cool. And good on what's it, Kreffel? Kreffel. Kreffel for 
getting getting people to buy stuff in their store. I guess some of the predictions that were saying that they're going to regret it because I guess a lot of people bought TVs uh, from Creffle. So yeah. I don't but know, think, man. Think about just like the customer loyalty you'll get after that. It would just That's be fair. Immense. True. You might be in the red for quite yeah. a while because oh. you just gave away a million free TVs. But <laughs> yeah. from then on out, Longevity. you know. That's well, think about it. How long does the TV last, though? So when is the next time you're going to buy another TV from yeah. Creffle? My family, is the, although this World Cup has been different, we buy one every new World Cup. <laughs> so in four okay. years, we get a new one. Um, but <laughs> maybe this one's, this one's lasted us now a couple. <laughs> well, I wish they opened a Creffle in uh, New England, <laughs> then. We just buy TVs. Let's go. Damn. Similarly, there's that Toyota commercial, I think. And it's saying like, oh, the United States didn't win, get in the World Cup, so you should support us. You know, of all the teams, I think that were spawned like in that, only Belgium is left, left in, the, <laughs> in the commercial. Oh yeah, the series of like, um, it's like commercials. Brazil's like, oh, we was have it, the most. It was Volkswagen. It wasn't Toyota. Oh, Volkswagen. Whoops, sorry, it was Volkswagen. Fun, yeah. No, I either way, it was a car commercial. It was a car commercial. And they were every like couple. What was it? It was. I forget the It was teams. Brazil, Switzerland, Belgium, Argentina, and some other ones. And each one had a reason why the Americans should support it. Yep, and the only Belgium's just left. Belgium's left. Mm-hmm. Fucking curse. Thanks a lot, Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Volkswagen. <laughs> but uh, news topic numero dos. Not World Cup related, but soccer related in yeah. a sense. Very culturally relevant in today's world. Um, 12 Thai soccer players and their soccer coach were recently trapped inside a cave that they had been exploring. There was just a huge cave system in where they were, where they lived, I believe, or probably close in proximity, but they went, they managed to get a a kilometer down. Yeah. And now it's been raining. So they've been forced. It's the cave started to flood and they were forced to kind of move back into the cave so they wouldn't drown. And now they've since been stuck for over 15 days. Yeah. And um, it's pretty scary because the monsoon season's happening. And if they don't get rescued within a before these monsoons start to hit, they're likely to stay in the caves for like four months. Yeah. And not to mention what four months will do to any of us, like, m- like yeah. in our 20s. But there's like 10, 11-year-old kids down yeah. there. So this is in like... We don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen to their bodies, but either way, they've been trying to devise these plans to rescue them, and it's just crazy to. Ah, fuck, scratch that shit. No, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you don't want to see anyone in that situation. Like, it's that's so crazy, and I haven't been following it as religiously as like just people in my family have and stuff like that, but. Um, insane man like just a team of kids just out just kind of exploring the world now they're just trapped but i mean the response across the globe though has been pretty pretty uh heartwarming to an extent right like you had elon musk send in a group of engineers who were trying to pump the water out of the cave so they could get a better escape um you know you had actually a lot of the captains of national teams in the world cup uh, send their best regards yeah. and send letters and messages to them because, you know, they are a soccer team. They love soccer. They wanted to uh, boost their spirits yeah. so that they wouldn't lose their spirits being stuck in the cave. So it's like, you know, it's really cool when when tragedy strikes like this, that the soccer community it's really cool kind of tragedy strikes. <laughs> no, I, let me at least finish my sentence before you start judging me. Jeez. 
<laughs> I'm saying like it's really cool the response that it can bring when like the soccer world unites to kind of like send messages. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's clearly awful. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you know it's cool to see the soccer world come together and like be together and show yeah. solace for them and show mess like True, send messages yeah. and stuff. Um, and we've seen something similar. Uh, what was the guy who died on Fiorentina? There was that whole uh, David a story. The whole soccer world getting yep. behind it and you've shown that you can be a very united group of people. So it's definitely cool that um, it's not kind of going over their heads. Even with the World Cup happening, people know like this is way more important than a, than a tournament like this. But I think that's a big point because a lot of times, any uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard a single bit of news outside of soccer yeah, in three weeks. I, know. I yeah. don't pay attention to anything yeah. because the World Cup's on. I've been consuming yeah, yeah, solely soccer yeah. news for like yeah. a month. Yeah. But this actually hit my radar too. Yeah. And it's like, to drown out the noise of the World Cup with something yeah. so important, yeah. it, it just shows like yeah. it really is important. No, yeah, for sure. And today, the, the day that we're recording, they're actually like is like the D day for them going in. I think, um, or like within these next couple of days. Um, so hopefully, by the time this comes out, these kids and the coach will all have been uh, safely removed. And I don't know, just pray, prayers and best wishes. Prayers for them. Yeah, but okay. Moving on to the final topic before we get into the meat of the podcast. If you guys play HQ trivia, it's so like an uh, it's like a phone app where you um, nah, I fell this off. guy broadcasts and like just ask trivia questions and you can win money at yeah, the end. Scott Rogowski, bro. Yeah, Louis play. I've play? played a couple times. Yeah. I um I don't have the app because I I I'm really addicted to trivia. Yeah. I'm like a big trivia junkie yeah. and like I would be on it all keeping the time. Yourself from that. Yeah, yeah, so I'm keeping myself. Around. I've played like twice, three times. I've got close of number one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a I like the app. Yeah. It's okay, so you know it. If you don't know it, search up HQ Trivia. Um, pretty cool concept. Anyways, Patrice Evra has actually come out with his own version of HQ Trivia that is completely soccer-centric. All of the questions are related. I played a, a, a couple times already, and they're all, right now, obviously, all World Cup related. So an hour before each kickoff, um, he asks, I think it's like six questions um, related to the to the upcoming game. Um, depending on the number of players and points, whatever, you can win up to $1,000 per, I think, Today there was actually a game that was worth three thousand dollars. Oh wow! Win. Um, okay. So by the time this podcast, com podcast comes out, um, I don't know if he'll be able to play for the World Cup, but you'll be able to play for just league games of other stuff. I don't know what leagues he's gonna do, but um, it's a cool concept. I mean. It's kind of just a spin-off of HQ Trivia, but it's cool to have one for soccer. Yeah, but all ideas are kind of built off of other ideas right. in, in any way. So I think that it's really cool when you have... I mean, Patrice is very like involved in his community. He has a big social media following, loves being on camera. So I guess it makes sense. And his hosting is fucking hilarious. Is it? A podcast. Like, just like so crazy. It's as crazy as like any video you've seen him post on his Instagram, but it's just him live. And it's just... That's it's awesome. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's an entertaining fellow to say the least. And yeah. so I think he's a perfect fit to be able to host this kind of event. Uh, or I'm sorry, this kind of like... Yeah, I guess this kind of event every, yeah. every day. Um, and I just love it. I think that anytime you can kind of bridge the gap between, you know, different aspects of life and kind of create something really cool out of it is awesome. Especially when it's related to soccer, right? You have... You know, one of the most I, I will say he's one of the most popular guys in terms yeah. of like people liking him. He's not yeah. the most popular in terms of like social media following and like that. But people love Patrice Evra. Yeah. And it's like he is just a funny dude. And I think it's perfect. I need to be playing more. Um, yeah. I should get on this app because I, mean, I love trivia. Yeah. I love it's soccer. It's quick too, Louis. So you wouldn't be spending too much time of your day. Like, yeah. Just get in and get out there. I'd say the broadcast is probably like five minutes. Yeah. It's only so. six questions. Yeah. It's short. 
And so, th- so he, the way that they do it, it's like they base the questions off the upcoming game. Okay. Answer the questions like, oh, France, will, will France have between this much, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the game, you go back and check your score and then oh, compare yourself to the leaderboard. That's oh, pretty shit. cool. Yeah. So it's like pre-match questions yeah, right now? Like questions. who's going to yep. do, yep. like who's going to have more? Yeah. So as an example, like question so one So it's is, almost like betting. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But you're not putting any money down. Yeah, you're not putting money no, down. No, that's you're true. Just, you, you just have the chance of winning money, but th- there's no, like, actual you gambling. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of so cool. That's cool. No, that's fun. That's an awesome concept. Yeah. I thought it would, when you first explained it, I was thinking it might be more, like, historical trivia. Yeah. But, yeah. like, if it's something Based that's, like, of, uh, oh, yeah, so I like that. It's like, oh, um, we'll... Some of them are just yes or no, so that's like a pretty good chance. Will Mbappe score? And the next question is if Patrice ever goes into, oh, France, you might think they have a lot of possession, but not really. Like these last games, they've had this much. What do you think for this game? Between 0 and 25%, uh, 25 and 45, 45 and 55, whatever it may be. That's cool. Um, and yeah, kind of questions. So like it does, that. it's definitely somewhat HQ, but at the same time, he's a little taking different. its own yeah, twist. It's, it's, it's on ah, spin. Definitely a game I could get behind. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I Hopefully, he does it for like league games and other stuff. Maybe he'll, he'll do it for the Premier League. Um, it'll just be cool. Like to the, the match of the week or something. Yeah, like dude, just, just do some different different games. That's yeah, cool. no, I like that a lot. I think the concept's really cool, and I hope it keeps growing. Yeah. Um, hey, Patrice Ever, if you're out there and you want to sponsor this podcast, I think yeah. we did a pretty good job of explaining uh, <laughs> yeah. your, your yeah, new app here. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> this has not been sponsored by Patrice Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, kind of speaking on commentating, that's Patrice Ever kind of commentating an app, and he's very lively, and he definitely gets people engaged. This, this in today's episode, we're going to be covering commentating and how we think it affects um, how we experience as the f- as fans, how we experience the sport, both on TV and um, during the World Cup, and just during regular matches in general. Yeah, I think that with commentating, it's it's such a massive part of the game that I don't think gets enough thought you know what I mean like the general day-to-day you kind of just like you turn on a game you watch it the commentators there but when you really break it down a commentator has such a big impact on how you perceive a game and how you remember a game um you know what I mean like if you've watched the trouble top 10 we just released an episode last week on uh the top 10 most epic actually it might be released this week the top 10 most epic world cup goals and one of them is a goal by Dennis Bergkamp and and to be honest with you it's a good goal but if it weren't for the commentators uh, just basically yelling yeah. with like pure passion about the goal, it wouldn't have stood out in my mind right. as much. And so the impact that commentators can have really needs to be evaluated um, because it, it just changes your perception of the game so much. And like certain people, they may not have as much soccer knowledge. So they rely a lot on the commentator to provide context for, for games and to provide context for things. And really, I, I personally want to just dive into um, what we think makes a good commentator, what we think makes a bad commentator, and kind of just give them a little bit of credit and talk about how important commentating is to the game. Yeah. Um, and, b- and before we get into all that, I, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, where have you been watching your World Cup this year and why? So I've been following Fox's coverage, despite sorry. my best wishes to not watch it on Fox's yep. coverage. Um so yeah, I've been watching Fox. it with like the American Fox, Fox. as well. Fox as well. And yeah. you, Louis, you don't like it. I at don't all. Yeah. At, at all. And B for the most part, I really don't. But it's there it. have been some games where I have been. Of, it's it hasn't been the worst. Okay. But yeah, so I despise it. I've watched every single game on Telemundo. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. And like I, 
uh, my Spanish is like I can understand it and and pretty well. I know almost every single thing that they're saying. So for me, it's really not like a weird thing to be going to Telemundo. No, it, the announcers are just way more exciting. Holy shit! It's like they have like a panel of like six guys that comment on a game and like they get input from anyone and they make it exciting. Like they they do things like um, before a free kick. They'll go through the panel. the 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 main announcer will be like, "Hey, do you you think this is going in?" Each one will be like, "Si, yo creo." And then like they'll go through and kind of just like they'll play these little games um, between that and, and corner kicks. They're like, "Hey, you think corners are this? Do you think a goal is coming from here?" Each one will have a thing. But so, so that's kind of elements that I that I like about them that um, that, that American the at least the Fox coverage hasn't had for me. I watched so, one game and I was like. Uh, so before I dive into how much I despise Fox's coverage, what, what I th- find phenomenal about commentating is that it's, it's vastly different um, per culture in a way. Uh, I saw this really awesome video of Trevor Noah, who is now the host of The Daily Show on Comedy Central on Facebook, and he had a video and he was talking about the differences between commentators um, during the World Cup. And it's like he talks about how the English commentators kind of give you a lot of context. They are super heavy on context. They talk about how this player had come up from this team and they he'd struggle with this, this and that. And um, a lot of it is to add flavor to the game because a commentator in certain aspects, yes, he's commentating the game. um, But commentating a long time ago was like when you were a radio announcer because you had to tell them what was going on today. You most people are being are able to watch the game, especially even on your phone. Like I haven't I have my TV app for my house. Like We don't have cable. So I have like sling. I can watch any game wherever I am as long as it's on, you know, Fox Sports or whatever. Um, so today commentating change where you're not describing every play, right. you are all, you have to kind of give some context and give a little background. So the English commentators are really good at this. Like anytime you listen to an English commentator, they really try to give you as much context as possible versus a Hispanic commentator around like Telemundo. They are hyping up yeah. everything. Right. Every touch of the ball is yeah. hyped. Everything is they. They play more on the aspect of soccer uh, and sport where it's like that ups and downs emotion of emotion, of it, the right. emotional aspect where they are always trying to ride that crescendo of a goal at every moment. Right. Um, and Brazilian commentators are similar, but not as much. Not as much right. um, and then he gets to American commentators. And, and I actually kind of agree with him when, with, with Trevor, what Trevor Noah said. Uh, and I'm actually going to link the video in the description below uh, in the show notes. So you guys can take a look at it. Basically, he talks about how American commentators feel as if they always need some action happening. So even though like it might just be a simple pass, American commentators act as if it's like the best pass ever because for them, they need to have action at every single yeah. moment. It can't be any dull moment. Yeah. And even when it is a relatively dull moment and it's just yeah. a simple pass, American commentators feel the need to like milk it for every last yeah. ounce because it's just how it, the what, what it is is that it feels like a lot of American commentators came from a realm of commentating American sports where there's always something going on. Like in football, when there's action, there's always something to be talked about. In basketball, the ball's literally always moving. So for them, commentating has to be quick. It has to be fast. It has to be always talking about the action. Whereas certain soccer games, they can get a little slow. Yeah. That's where the English commentators come in and provide context versus American commentators. They just kind of make shit up sometimes to just yeah. keep the hype going. Right. Yeah. I have, I, and I have a lot of problem with that because a lot of America, not a lot of, this is, this is common in a lot of, um, not just America, but like they'll just hire a guy that played the sport, but may may not necessarily be the best communicator when it comes to just the the language that they're speaking in. So a lot of it is just like a bunch of bullshit. Honestly, if you're listening to it, you're just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Or just like, it's not really giving me what it's not what I want to listen to during a game. 
right? So, and this, this, uh, I will say that something that a lot of um, English commentators get get shit on for is a lot of them are ex players who are ex Liverpool, ex Manchester United, ex whatever it may be. When they go and comment the opposing team, it's just like if it's a bad game for Liverpool and it's Gary Neville commentating, you you don't want to hear him fucking talking about them because he's going to be saying it with a little bit of a, uh, a a united twist on it right so exactly but i like that for one specific reason is that we're human yeah and mm. i will say i've listened to gary neville's commentating and he actually does a really good job of being impartial right most of the time right. i he when, when he does like more infographic stuff like yeah. in the studio that's when he gets a little bit more yeah. biased in a way right, right right um but during a game i've actually experienced gary neville to be one of the better right, english right, right, right. newer english commentators but I can see that definitely being right. a point. There are a lot of there are a lot of uh, commentators that as soon at least when they start commentating, yeah. they still hold on to the biases, right? Absolutely. Um, what I'm having, what I've had an issue with uh, the Fox coverage a lot is that there's just in their need to always be saying something, they're always giving their own personal opinion, and a lot of times they are stating fa- like factual inaccuracies. They're talking about things like. Oh, they did this, this, and this, despite the fact that they're not like it was wrong. Like yeah. there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. been so many times where I've yelled at the television because Stuart Holden yeah. says something that is completely not true. Yeah, that drives me bananas. Yeah, because you got to understand the impact that commentating has, and and you provide by you telling the person at home something. If they don't understand soccer, they're gonna believe it's true. Yeah. So if you don't know 100% what just happened, don't affirm something. Yeah. And, and when you're saying this, just to clarify for the listener, are you saying it as something that's happening in the game or something that's happening out of the pitch? Like, say they say something about a player. Are you saying that you're annoyed at the fact that he said something about a player that is regarding to off the pitch or just like their general playing style? Or? Usually what I've seen is stuff that happens on the field. And despite the fact that they're in the stadium, at least Stuart Holden is in the yeah. stadium watching it at, in, in, in Russia, he seems to get things wrong. Despite <laughs> the fact that he's there. And it's like, if, if you weren't watching the game and you didn't understand yeah. the sport to a whole level, which a lot of the people watching in the United States may not, you know what I mean? You're getting stuff that's factually inaccurate. And it's like stuff that is just, you can't do that as a commentator. You can't affirm something that's not true and just kind of roll with it. He's commentating it like a fan, which is okay for fans, but not okay if you're broadcasting to an entire world. Like we can sit here and how many times you sat at like your friend's house watching a game and you have the one kid who just keeps talking about shit, but doesn't have stats or anything to back up, just saying things. That's okay because you're not broadcasting that nonsense to the world. Right. Like, and there are things that like, just like Stuart Holden, there was, I remember a game and it was like, it was like, oh, like last minute, like last ditch defending. And it was just like a slide tackle to get the ball out on the byline, yeah. even though there was players behind. And yeah. it was just like, it was almost as if he was trying to hype up every situation, yeah. despite the fact that it didn't need to be. Right. The ball wasn't close to goal. It wasn't a last ditch defensive effort. It was literally just, you know, the guy managed yeah. to get the ball there. It wasn't in any real danger, but it seems like they are more in favor of trying to build up these uh and it's actually common in a lot of american sport commentating too is to try and build up the story of the game more than it's there i want to get b's perspective on it because b you don't have any outside perspective of like commenting other than the Uh, english premier league but yeah i guess i prefer the premier league i don't know like say whatever you will but like when you throw an english accent onto (laughs) like watching the premier league it just almost adds an air of like understanding understanding and confidence yeah. and just intellectualism yeah. in a way so that's like always nice and they don't even 
they don't hit you with so many fucking stupid ass <laughs> statistics that like yeah. no Thank one you. needs to know about. <laughs> Thank you like, so the much last for telling time me. They made a corner that. kick on the left side of the field was in 1990. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like yeah. the last time the sun was out. Like, <laughs> although I will England say, won. I will say, some of them NBC are cool. Sport has started to get into that whole like Americans statistics bullshit and i have not been fond of it no like they're trying to americanize their their commentators which i am not fond of at all because i can tell that it's being it's not something that they necessarily want to comment on no it's just it's just to get the the normal viewer like ooh, statistics yeah. about like it's like when yeah. the last time <laughs> like this kind of ball was used let <laughs> me let me give you an example of one from this world cup that people can relate to when brazil tied against switzerland what was the statistic they keep throwing out on the tv Brazil hasn't won a World Cup game. Brazil's last three World Cup games have all been, they have not won. Mind you, <laughs> two of them were the game against Germany to knock Brazil out of the World Cup, and then the third place game that they had to play in 2014. Yeah. And then they tied the first game of 2018, and someone at fucking Fox had the balls <laughs> to put up a statistic saying that Brazil have not won a World Cup game in yeah. three matches. As if it were something that was played in week in, week out. Right, yeah. and that was the Americanization <laughs> like, of the <laughs> Yeah. That statistic drove yeah. me so yeah. absolutely insane that I literally wanted to yeah. fly to Russia yeah. and punch through holding <laughs> in the face. Um, no, the one no. thing that I despise, and I, I might have said this on the podcast before, it, it's the Americanization of that exact aspect. LeBron James in basketball, they will throw out the most absurd statistics about LeBron James so that you can you maybe think that he's like the greatest of all time. Sure, the guy's phenomenal at basketball. He's really, really good. But there will be like, the last time LeBron... I swear to God on this. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is just going to be oh, Louis, just losing shit i yeah. hate <laughs> the americanization of statistics so much there was there was a time i was watching spn and they're like the last time lebron played with a headband he had a triple double and he's every time he's played in a headband he's won or something like that and i'm like do you really think okay. playing in a headband has an impact and but this is kind of creeping its way into <laughs> soccer analysis no, no okay so i like you bringing up that point because i i i i don't like that type of statistic as well but is that culturally interesting because I'm, I'm thinking, like, I, I scroll through the Instagrams, right? And it's just, like, like some cool Instagram posts. Like, um, I can't even think of a, of a handle right now. But to me, that's, like, a pretty cool Instagram stat. It's, my, it's something that you're going to scroll through. You're going to like it and be like, oh, that's interesting. So do, do you think that that's them just playing to the audience? In a way, yes, because they're trying to build up a story. But the problem is, is that in soccer, it's... it's uh, uh, there's so many problems <laughs> with these statistical analyses is that it doesn't provide actual context to the game because right. in soccer, it's not, it's not the same as American sports. Right. These statistics that they, that they basically make up, they have no real foundation in right. the sport. And so they're just looking for something to talk about to hype a story on. Yeah. It's that 24 hour news cycle that we're cut. We're caught on in today's world yeah. that they always need something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so for them, for, for Fox sports to sit there and be like, yeah, Brazil hasn't won the last three world cup games, despite yeah. the fact that two of those games <laughs> were a world cup ago. Cup. Yeah. Does that really matter? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a different yeah. team. It's a different coach. Yeah. The landscape globally has right. changed in four years. Yeah. You can't use those statistics. You know, one of them, but I will say on the opposite side, one that is interesting to talk about is how Mexico haven't gotten past the fourth game of a World Cup in seven tries. Yeah. That has a little bit of interest in it because it's an interesting statistic yeah. as to why, why can't Mexico advance past that stage. Yeah. And if it's something that's happened over seven times over like the course of seven different tournaments, that's when those stats can be applicable. So anytime someone uses these statistics, they have to sit down and be like, is this actually relevant or am I just making this up for a talking point? Yeah. 
Right. I also feel like it's an aid to help someone choose sides, like during a game. It's like, oh, like Brazil having won their last three World Cup official matches. It's like, well, who are you going to vote for now yeah. in, in this game? To yeah. the average person, I mean, who doesn't def- have a there's team definitely the the case of just trying to build different narratives during yeah. a game, right? Which is all um, fucking stupid. Which, and I will say, if the narrative develops within the game itself, talk about it, please, by all means. If Neymar is rolling around, talk about that. If someone, you know, if something happens on the pitch and it does play into a narrative, then talk about that. Like for example, uh, when Luis Suarez bit his third person, you yeah. know, like he bit Giorgio Chiellini, he bit. Um, I- Ivanovic from Chelsea and he bit a guy when he was at Ajax by the third time I didn't know about that yeah Ajax, it was so. three times it's ridiculous um, by the third time it's a trend talk yeah, about yeah. it that yeah, stuff yeah. matters yeah. but if what I see happening in American commentators is that they are they are coming from this world of like oh ESPN does this so we need to do it yeah. and it's like they think that they're adding value to people watching but in reality you're creating false narratives so and I, have, I don't like that yeah so I have a question uh, that just popped up into the dome do you think that American commentators suffer from kind of that same, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Same lack of kind of respect that say American players do in the American, like in the U.S. national team. And when I say that, because like the British will be like, ah, oh, these Yanks, they don't understand the sport of soccer, or they don't understand the sport of football because they w- they wouldn't say soccer. But do you think it's the same thing that commentators suffer from, and that uh, from you and I, Louis, coming from different culture that isn't necessarily. Um, American background. Do you think that American commentators suffer from that a little bit? Because uh-huh. because what is what is American commentating to people outside of the American culture? Whereas like there are Americans that maybe like that, right? So do you think that they're suffering from the fact that maybe we are not Americanized in the sense of the sport? That could be true. I feel like they are pandering to their audience because you not to interject. Everyone, everyone commentates to their specific demographic yeah because right? the hispanics on telemundo comment to the fucking hispanics yeah and it is lit like it is fucking true. lit. and i'll say that and the people who watch it they want that but does it does the average american listener also want that so i what i think in terms of your question is yes i i think that there is a little bit of lack of respect and i do think that an american perspective on the game is 100% valid. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you guys, people who have played soccer in the U.S. or have played for the United States men's national team, your opinions are valid. What, uh, and I do think that certain people might think that, but at the same time, that shouldn't impact how you do it. You know what I mean? And I think they are playing to their demographic, but by playing to their demographic, you like it seems like, I don't know. I think it's true. Yes, they're playing to the demographic, but even so, trying to f- make up narratives and trying yeah. to make up statistics. No, and I I agree with you. I, that's just yeah. a question to kind of stir the pot. I think that there is too much of the looking down on the stat sheet and building something off of that, whereas to actually having insight into what's happening in the game, being analytical of the game, not not giving opinion, giving analysis. That's which totally is very di- two different. Totally different things, right? I think that there is a lack of that in the American commentating scene, where it's too much opinion. Way too much opinion. Not enough analysis. I actually like Alexi Lawless because I think he gives analysis even when motherfuckers don't want to hear it. Alexi right? Lawless, say he says a lot of controversial things, but it, he says things that I am honestly like, yeah, that's pretty fucking yeah. true. So, no, so I, I think that Alexi Lawless does a really good job at that of just 
being analytical of what he's saying, not giving opinion, being analytical. Um, and he goes on both sides, right? He'll he'll say something good about this guy and then also say something bad. So so I I, I trust his what he is saying. So um, so I do think American commentators suffer from just too much opinion. My opinion of Alexi Lalas is that his opinions are usually crap, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but his analysis yeah. is usually yeah, spot yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And in a, in commentary, I don't care what you think, right. Stuart Holden. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care right. about the dude next to you's opinion. Yeah. I don't care about anyone's opinion. Right. I want to form my own opinion. Right. What I want from a commentator is analysis. You want right. to sprinkle in a couple comments here and there? Right. I could handle that. Right. But if the entire basis of your commentary skill set is your opinion, right. I don't want that. Right. I like people trash Alexi Lawless on the internet all the time because they say that his opinions are crap and like he, he, you know, I will say I don't think his opinions are very good. Yeah. But his analysis of the right. game Absolutely. from someone who's played for so many Absolutely. years, in my opinion, is spot on. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And so I think that what needs to be shifted is when 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 you're providing too much commentary, you're not enough analysis of the game, yeah. that's the problem. Right. Your commentary should be analysis. Exactly. The, the, the good chunk of it. I will say, coming from like no real outside sources of like watching games through other like yeah. Telemundo, right, like right, you right. said, I haven't necessarily felt that the fox coverage has been the worst just because right. i'm sure that's what i might and be that's what to. i wanted to hit on is like two different perspectives yeah and then for instance the english family um we were watching a game on telemundo and they don't speak spanish i don't either i i personally don't mind telemundo at all yeah like i think it's actually pretty dope just because they're so excited yeah. about the game yeah granted they are a little biased on oh. on, on what side they're on oh, so yeah. i'll put like we were watching england play and England, Colombia. Yeah, and yeah. they had not only were the the family I was watching with like up on like fuck Colombia, yeah, but yeah. they had muted the TV because yeah. they were just sick yeah. of. And then one of the other kids was like, "Well, can we turn it up so I can at least hear the whistle? Like, I yeah. don't know what's going on." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So they turn it back up, and then not five minutes later, they're like, "All right, turn it back down." Like, I can't take yeah. this. So I think that's a really valid point, and that actually kind of crept into Fox Sports uh, commentary this year because they hired a couple of. Um, uh, maybe like Mexican Americans or people who who are from a Mexican heritage to be commentators, and I found from watching uh, a couple of the games that they commentated, they always lean to the Hispanic side. Yeah, right. and like the, that's whenever Mexico played that the one I hate I don't know, I forget his name it's it's dry and blank but he's like the English commentator but definitely has roots in South America and he's he's got a mustache. Yep. Um, and he just, you could totally just feel it that he's yeah, like yeah. totally leaning and yeah, not yeah. like being somewhat impartial as to yeah. if you watch a Premier League game, you can't necessarily tell, tell all the time mm -hmm. that there is any like bias. bias. Yeah. Right. And that was the thing is that, you know, in Telemundo, if the only people watching Telemundo are Spanish, Spanish speaking right. uh, from Latin or South America, I get it. Like that, yeah. you're going to be playing to, especially because Telemundo right. is a Mexican TV station. Right. So they're catering to Mexicans. Of course, they're going to be very uh, on that side. But what ends up being a problem is Fox hired these two commentators, I believe probably from Telemundo, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I think Fox and Telemundo have an agreement for the World Cup where they kind of shared rights in America. Um, they hired these guys and, and he basically tried to take, throw all the, and this is another aspect that I wasn't too fond of. He tried to take all of the aspects of being a commentator for Telemundo in Spanish to only Mexican, uh, to Mexicans to bringing that over to when he came over to the Fox Sports side, and he's now commentating games for the entire country, but he's still playing with the same mannerisms. Yeah. He's still trying to build up the same kind of thing, and I actually don't mind that aspect. What I don't like is the bias in it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 
when you have a multicultural country, you can't be so blatant that your analysis and commentary of like just ignores yeah. things because you don't want that to happen. Yeah. I guess we can't really talk either though because the United States is not in the World to- World Cup, so I can't even imagine what the the commentating would be for those games. You know, like yeah, you're saying from an American from an American perspective, like like I, if, if there would be a bias. Yeah, if like there's de- if we're if if we're right. downplaying do you, right do you, during the World Cup, do you want a bias, right? Because the Dennis Burkamp goal, that was a fucking. If you don't have the bias, you don't have that. That's true. Yeah, that's right? true. Because if like that's part you of need that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, like you need to have you need the announcer to have the passion for that club that he's or else or it's not for dry club, sorry, shit for the, for the nation or or there isn't that emotion necessarily. So well, well, my question is, let's contrast the two, right? Because even in Brazil, we have a commentator called Galvão, who he is iconic to yeah. the sport. You hear his voice. It brings me back to soccer. Yeah. His uh, his opinions, of course, yeah. I may not agree with. He's a right. kind of a crazy dude, yeah. but he's energetic. He's a little biased for Brazil, of course. But at the same time, he has announced some historic, iconic moments for right. the Brazilian national team. But let's take those aspects of the biased commentary, which is hyped. It's awesome. It brings you back memories and contrast it with the English one, because even in the Premier League, even anybody who's like an English commentator, they're usually a bit more mellow. They're a little bit less biased. Um, and while they provide a lot of context, how, which one do you guys prefer? The more unbiased, more context-ridden? Or do you want to be jumping out of your seat at every moment? It honestly d- depends on my emotion. <laughs> uh. It depends on how the game is playing out for me, honestly. Because sometimes if I'm frustrated with the game and I'm hearing too much... so. I, I don't like too much emotional context because that's just not the way that I am as a person. But I, I do like – I think that emotional commentating is important because it does get me hyped up in certain situations. But if I'm already emotional because a game is making me emotional and then I have a commentator saying something and if I have, if he says something that I immediately disagree with, I'm just, th- I'm just completely off with him for the rest of the game. Then I think everything that that commentator says is just wrong, even if it's right. So there, it's different context. And, and if the game's going well and that fucking guy is saying shit, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like whatever it may be, I'm behind him. I think it depends on the context. I, I mean, there, there have been instances um, where, say, Manchester United is not playing well, and then I'm getting a lot of statistics about times that Manchester United is not playing well, and I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't want to hear this, right? So it, it all plays, I think, to a little bit how me as a fan I'm feeling. I think I'm all for 100% unbiased. Yeah. If it's a dope goal, it's a dope goal. I'll be pissed if it's not the team that if it's a team I'm rooting against. I'll be super stoked if it's the team I am rooting for. Yeah. I don't necessarily need the commentators to like hype it up for me mm-hmm. because I will already be excited in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it also like ru- like it tends to keep my emotions down when it's like e- for both teams. Like if they score a wicked dope goal, like. The, the announcer who I believe has enough knowledge of the sport to comment on it, like notices that's a dope goal. Then that will be like, wow, well that's a dope goal. So that goalie probably had a tough time trying to save that. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm more, I wouldn't say like, I'm like a, a diehard fan. Like I am a true fan, I believe, mm-hmm. but like I don't live and die by the sport. Yeah. So I think that's definitely another point of view. Different perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's hard. Like, you, you know, because like we said, having that emotional commentary has provided some iconic moments. 
but I don't think that those two should be mutually exclusive. I think that you should be able to provide an unbiased analysis of the game. And if a dope goal happens or if something happens, you should be able to be emotionally charged about it, but for both sides. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I've it's, gotten... It's why I have a problem with hiring people who have played for a specific club and are loyal to a club because you can't... You're If you are... Real, like Gary Neville, he might give really good insight, but he'll never call out a Liverpool goal the same way that a, a, a Liverpool commentator would or just a neutral who just loves the sport for what it is, right? Yeah. Different perspective, different emotions behind it, the way right. that they would present that information. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I will say, who's that guy, who's the commentator that works for B in Sport? Ray Hudson. My favorite fucking He's commentator amazing. ever. And, and it's because... He isn't biased. He loves the sport for what yeah. it is, and he just draw. He 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 can paint a picture of what the fuck is happening on that pitch. Like, it's ridiculous sometimes the the words that he uses, the kind of analogies that he throws out there. But it's it's so perfect for what I think of the game when it's happening. Yeah. Like the shit. I mean, the other day I was I was showing Rachel, my girlfriend. Um, my good co- friend. No, my girlfriend. Oh. My, um, um, his commentary, because I was like, I was reminiscing about him for some reason. And I was just watching videos of his, like, talking about Mesty and just, like, saying crazy, crazy things. And I was like, this guy is a fucking good commentator because he loves Messi. He loves Ronaldo. He loves any good soccer player or good team that's out there. And he's. Doesn't he doesn't have any bias? He just says things for what it, what they are, but paints such a perfect picture of the game. I'm like, God damn it! These, I wish every commentator was like it. He's a really good. So the thing about commentator duos is that in like you like usually you would think that one of them is like a color commentator who provides a lot of like the the highlight moments, and then you have the other one who provides the analysis. Right with Ray Hudson, he like you said, he paints pictures. He'll say things like. And this lad went through them like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> right, right, and like right. just like crazy like things like that right. where it's like, wow, that was a really cool like you the analogies he makes paints a picture for you. Right. But he's usually paired with someone who provides the analysis of the game while he does the mm-hmm. commentating mm-hmm. of the actual Absolutely. events. And so but he does it in a very unbiased way, like you said. He says crazy things. Yeah. His ana- his analogies make sometimes make zero sense, zero sense. But you're still hyped about it and you can sometimes be like, Yeah, I, I can kind of see it. Um and I love that. I think that it just needs to be, I don't know, man. I, I, it, it's such an important as, aspect of the game, and I don't think Fox Sports gave enough thought behind it. Yeah. Um, well, I feel what, like they, with, since they lost their bid, I feel like they – I remember reading, if I'm not mistaken, um, like they had way more plans for more people to go out and like – Yeah, because of the U.S. Be at the game, wasn't going to be in like the World be Cup. in the stadium. So now yeah. that – takes away so then it's like we only sending x amount of people yeah who at some point in throughout the world like the time you're gonna get fucking sick of yeah i i don't know how many times it's just like damn like this person's talking again like I yeah guess sucks yeah um i don't know i think what the commentators now that are that are working for fox sports and been commenting the world cup um have kind of missed out on the point of is, is that as a commentator, you have to realize that the people you're talking to are not at the stadium, so they're not feeling the emotions that the fans inside the stadium are. Yeah. So a- as a part of not only being able to convey statistics, analytics, a, a few opinions here and there, you have to be able to convey the overall atmosphere in the stadium. Because if you're watching a TV, you're not getting that full experience. So 
commentating seems like it could be an easy job, but it isn't because it 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 actually is a little bit of almost acting because yeah. you have to be able to. Even the way you enunciate things has to or be... Or even pronouncing players' names. Correct. Right. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been frustrated with one of the games, Delhi Ali. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just... it's Just not knowing, like, literally just learning a guy's name before... It shows it, that you, it doesn't even seem like you're very some, interested for, I mean, in doing this. I mean, for some, some countries, they will refuse to even say the name. They'll just say, <laughs> this player here, yeah, or oh the God. captain of the team, yeah. number nine. Yeah. And you're like, bro, your job is to commentate right. the game. Learn the players' right. names. Absolutely. Like, y- you only work, what, two hours every yeah. week, maybe? Yeah. Like, yeah. you can figure it out. Right. If you know you're going to ref, if you're going to commentate a game, you're going to know ahead of time. Right. Um, but one thing that's been standing out to me that actually this is probably the part that bothers me the most oh, from what I've seen about American <laughs> commentators is that there is a lack of tactical analysis. Mm-hmm. Like analysis of a game could be, you know, how the game is going. But one thing that I haven't heard many Amer- any of these Fox sports commentators do is analyze the tactics of a game. Like there's a reason coaches line up players in a specific way. There's a reason why certain games work but you don't hear that from these commentators. And it's along the same lines of there's no analysis, really. All they're doing is giving opinion and spewing out facts, trying yeah. to build narratives. Yeah. But in reality, there's a reason why Roberto Martinez lines Belgium up in a 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. There's a, and, and how that counters with Brazil's uh, 4-2-3-1. You know what I mean? Those are the kind of analyses. analyses. You don't have to dive super deep because I know not everybody is a big tactical junkie like right. I may be. Right. But at the same time, if it impacts the result of the game, you got to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, and I guess that just plays into what the demographic of Fox News was giving. Fox World Sports. Cup, Fox Sports, whatever. My bad. Fuck Fox News. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Fox Sports was like who they were announcing the games to. Yeah. It's like. But United I almost States. feel like they're misun- they're they're underestimating the uh, demographics that they're actually speaking True. to. True. Um, because to comment on what you said about how they sent less. Uh, commentators to Russia it's a major key we talked about this in our World Cup preview Um, they spent 425 million dollars to get the rights of the World Cup from ESPN and instead of and they had plans to send all of their commentators to Russia US doesn't qualify they only send uh, I think like what eight so four of their I think it was like they had like eight teams and they sent only two teams of four or whatever it was to actually be in the stadium. And so what Alan said, you do have to convey the atmosphere in the stadium. You have to be a conduit for that atmosphere because if you're just watching the game in some studio in LA and doing the commentating, I can do that by muting the TV. I can look for a stream that has no commentators and I'll do it myself. Yeah. Or I'll I'll listen to it in Arabic off some fucking soccer stream. That way you don't. Yeah. Yeah. For (laughs) real. I don't need, I don't need the like silent room that I, I don't need to be in a silent room listening to guys in a silent room listening, watching the game on a screen. Right. Yeah. That is the worst type of commentating that exists. So trying to rein it back in because we, I feel like we ranted quite a lot. I'm at hundred percent. Don't, don't don't point fingers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I am a hundred and twenty percent at fault for the ranting. This is just something that literally boils my blood because it, it like I said, it impacts the game Culture so FC much. It's just our diary. Just Louis diary. We just spew out. But let, let me ask a question. Like, what makes a good commentator in your mind? I mean, it's a, it's that mix of I don't want to say build. It's like a I don't want to build the perfect commentator because the, each one brings their own brings their own insight. But it's a guy that definitely does not give opinion over just analytics. It's someone who can see the game, has an understanding for the game. Isn't the 
a commentator isn't a commentator. A com- a good commentator is a person who understands the sport and can and can convey the sport to someone that could that that knows it or not. So a commentator isn't someone that is just a really well-spoken person, blah, 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 blah. It is a person who understands the sport and can convey that message, convey the feeling and the atmosphere and all these things in the, in the stadium without sticking too much opinions in, into it. That's that's like my personal, personal opinion because then that covers um, if the commentator is going to be too excited or not because if they know how to convey the atmosphere in the stadium, they'll know how to appropriately articulate a message if they understand the sport they'll understand why a player is getting subbed off or subbed on in a certain situation of a game so to me it's a person just that that can that first and foremost understands the sport tactically and not just these ex-pros who have played striker but don't necessarily understand the positioning of a, uh, why a goalkeeper is set here and why left back is doing this people who understand the sport from the outside and can convey that message appropriately my belief that a good commentator consists of being unbiased for the teams playing Mm -hmm. but with the knowledge and passion that allows you as a viewer to feel like you're there watching it and to feel like that the person watching it explaining to you is also interested in that sport like i can't tell you how many times that you've had a game where just like you just don't like you don't want to watch it because it's like your team's losing but the the commentator that is is commentating on the game is biased towards the team that is winning and it's just like well fuck off like i don't care like i don't need you the person who's being told like paid to like show like i want to watch this game in peace per se but i also want to have the insight of someone who knows about it. I want to watch this game at home with all my Manchester United friends because I don't want a fucking Liverpool opinion into it, so don't bring it into my fucking TV. That's what, that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, exactly, but not with Liverpool, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, yeah. Vice versa. But, I mean, for me, I think Alan kind of hit it on the nail on the head, right? Like, a lot of times commentating, it, it's supposed to add to the experience. A, if you understand soccer, then the commentating is supposed to just add a little bit of flavor on top. Right. If you don't necessarily understand all the tactics, you need someone who can properly convey the message of why is this happening? Not why you like it or why you dislike it. You need to be able to look at it and be like, okay, so this midfielder is coming off this. uh, The manager is bringing on this guy who was a really strong center defensive mid for his club over the past six months. And he has been on the up and up and he's going to bring him in because hopefully it's going to change their formation because it's going to allow them to press here or there. That's the kind of analysis that like matters not here comes this guy and that's it you know so i think you need to properly convey what's going on properly convey the emotions not be too biased and of course though you can't say build the perfect commentator because there's no such thing but it's just a matter of you know always remember that the commentating isn't extra it's not this added bonus of people's yeah. random opinions. If you want to do that, you'd watch, you know, match of the day. You'd watch YouTube videos yeah. during the game. Yeah. I don't, I need, I need to be, I need to know what's going on yeah. more so than my eyes can see. Right. And so it's just a matter of remembering that your job is to analyze and provide context mm-hmm. while adding some flavor. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I think that that's some good insight. Decent. Yeah, I got passionate. Fuck. Yeah. Not no, more I knew, I knew Louis. Our... I knew Louis had this hatred for yeah. for American commentating, so I, I was ready. Yeah, so pretty sure good. every every game that Stuart Holden <laughs> has uh, 
commentated this World Cup, I have swore his name every single time. Get it out there, though. Do you hate Stuart Holden? No, because here's the problem. So let me say this right here. here. (laughs) I think that when Stuart Holden started commentating, he quickly, quickly fell into the trap of a majority of the American commentators commentating on the sport. He fell into all the cliches of them. Basically, they always spew the same kind of bullshit, and he fell right into that trap. He's a relatively new commentator. He's only been doing it for a couple of years. But instead of adding what I think an American commentator should be, which is take the American perspective on the game. Like Every country has their own perspective on the game, and it's unique. And that's what I love about the World Cup and the World Game is that Every country plays soccer, of course, but every country has the different aspect right. to it. So instead of wanting to convey the American side, he quickly fell into the traps of what American commentators do. From a, uh, This is like my opinion, of course. It just seems like he was more willing to just kind of do what everyone else is doing yeah. instead of like trying to add real flavor to right. what he was doing. Adding all the things that we said. Exactly. Yeah. And so I curse his name now. Is he going to change? Probably not. And I'll probably continue to curse his name. Yeah. But... It, it, it felt like it was a big missed opportunity by Fox. Yeah. Because um, despite U.S. not being in it, the interest in the World Cup is still high. Yeah. People in America do care. Yeah. Even the people who don't because the U.S. isn't in it, they still do care oh, during yeah. the World Cup. Oh, yeah. I've had plenty of interactions with people who are watching are Yeah, watching right off the streets. It's like, oh, like, you have a soccer jersey on. It's like, oh, are you watching yeah. the World Cup right now? It's like, oh, you've been watching the World Cup? Yeah. It's no, like, yeah. So many people still, still because the U- even if the U.S. is not in it, they're super involved. like, people that i talk to like all the time still so which is like amazing yeah no it's fun it's fun i was i was in newberry street in boston and i was watching croatia and denmark in the penalty kicks yeah and i was outside of a store and i was like watching it on my phone and like a person came by and like oh is is that the world cup i'm like you bet your ass it's the world cup i was in i was in a a trader joe's the day of the england columbia game actually and like I, I was going to document it on my Instagram story, just the number of jerseys I saw. Spurs, Harry Kane, Columbia jerseys, James Rodriguez, just like crazy amount of jerseys. And I was like, God damn, you guys, this is like a, the World Cup fever is yeah. definitely here. Like, it's strong. So it was definitely a miscalculation by Fox that people aren't going to care, so they're just going to cut costs on yeah. their spending. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall... Or do we feel better? We got it all off our chest. I feel a little bit better. The rant was pretty good on my end. Um, I want to say something that we could probably have a whole other uh, episode (laughs) on why ESPN is more concerned about what LeBron is doing on vacation than the World Cup. Because it's a little absurd to me that it's the off season for basketball. Nothing is going on in baseball because it doesn't matter yet. Baseball only really matters in like August. Um, Hockey's out of season. All of these sports. They showed soccer some love the other day because LeBron wore a Pulisic jersey okay but here, here where, what was yeah, the what was the that. thing what's the reason they cared because he was wearing a there you go they ESPN's coverage of the World Cup is reduced to 30 seconds of Taylor Twelman yeah. on SportsCenter once every several hours yeah. so it's like dude you guys are the like you call yourself the the worldwide leader in sports that's absolute horseshit yeah. statement because you're not. Yeah, and they cover like fucking WWE. Fuck you. Yes, I will say this: they have been putting they, ESPN <laughs> has been putting the WWE. cornhole championship <laughs> on on Saturdays oh when God. there's World Cup games when they could be doing a World Cup in that slot. They could do World Cup coverage, yeah. yet they're showing cornhole yeah. championships where there's the two guys playing on each side and maybe eleven people watching them in the stands or whatever it is. So. Well, anyway, that's another rant. I'll save that for another save day. Another episode. Episode 50. We'll, I'll, we'll dedicate that. To <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all right. I think that, that wraps it up for us. I'll it. do it. Puts icy on the cake. Louis feels better.
So there it is, folks. Another episode in the books. Let us know. What do you think? We're being a little too critical on American commentators, commentators in general. Or do you agree with us? You think that commentating is an important part of the sport? Don't be afraid to share your opinions, insights with us. Reach us through all the links in the podcast description. And we'll see you next episode.